Welcome to the Chad Cargill ACT Test Prep Podcast. Here we'll give you practical tips to help you increase ACT scores, qualify for college, and win those much needed scholarships. We'll talk colleges, careers, most of all, test taking strategies and tips. It's great to be back with you since episode one. We got great feedback on that episode. I'm so thankful to all of you who listened and to those of you who gave reviews. I posted that episode on the Chad Cargill Workshop Facebook page, and it has been shared 168 times by all of you. And I just want to tell you, thank you. I appreciate you getting that out there. That means a lot to me. And obviously the message is resonating. And that, that just helps me uh, know that I'm on the right track with this. And I appreciate that from all of you. This week, we're going to talk about taking one section of the ACT and why you should never do it. This has been a hot topic since the announcement was made a few months ago. Students are really excited about this. ACT has promoted this as them trying to help students and make things better for you. And uh, it's, it's, it's gotten a lot of hype and a lot of people are really excited about it. So today I'm going to explain the terminology behind it that's being used, what it is, and then we'll talk about why you should never do it. So let's get started. There are two key terms you're going to hear when this is discussed. Composite ACT score and super score. For those of us in the Midwest, super score is probably not a familiar term. A lot of us don't really even know what it is. An example of that is my son, Camden, who is now a sophomore in college. Uh, three years ago, we were on one of his recruiting trips. He played quarterback here. He was recruited to play college football at several schools. And we were on our recruiting trips to Columbia and Lehigh. And Columbia, being an Ivy League school, I knew it would be very prestigious. I knew the, the ACT scores would be extremely high for students that were admitted. And I remember when we were sitting in the coach's office and he was discussing all the details of, you know, how this would happen and how he could play at Columbia. He, he mentioned the ACT scores that he would have to have in order for their offer to become official. And he had to hit that minimum number that they needed for the Ivy league school admission in order for him to be admitted. Now, granted it's lower than, what it is for a normal academic student. But when he mentioned the number, I remember thinking, wow, that's a pretty big number and we're going to have a little work to do. And then he said, now, you know, that's a super score. So take the ACT a bunch and we'll take your highest English, highest math, highest reading, highest science from any of those tests. And I had heard of schools doing this, but this was really the first time it had directly impacted us. One thing I gathered from that discussion is a lot of times people might have friends or relatives that live in other parts of the country. And we start discussing ACT scores 
And so you might get together at Christmas and your cousin who lives on the East Coast says, hey, I made a 30 on my ACT. And you say, yeah, I, I only had a 29. But he may be referencing a composite or a, a, a super score, whereas you may be referencing a composite score. So it is an interesting discussion that some refer to their ACT scores as their super scores, whereas others, especially here in the Midwest, we would refer to them using our composite score, which would typically be lower. Schools are sometimes changing from using a composite score to a super score. You'll hear of a college that says, hey, we'll super score. And there's, there's pros and cons to that. Uh, it was interesting. I was at a workshop recently, and one of the uh, staff members made an announcement that there was a scholarship that was going to change to super score next year. I had addressed this issue of the one test taking only one section. And I said, hey, the podcast is coming up. It's going to be about that. And so the staff member was explaining to the students that, yes, this scholarship has already said for next school year, they're going to go to the super score. So here's what's interesting about this. That scholarship has a set pool of money, meaning that if they had 10,000 total dollars to give when they had a composite score grading scale, they still have $10,000 to give on a super score grading scale. And this scholarship is based strictly on the ACT score. So if you hit this score, you win this much money. The point here is the super scores on average are higher than the composite scores. So when a school or a scholarship program says, hey, we're going to help you out, we're going to use SuperScore, don't get excited about it because basically that means you got to score higher. There's still only $10,000 to give, and now there's more students making that score so they can't keep the rates they've been in the past. They have to increase the threshold. They have to increase the number you have to get. So maybe before it was, you had to have a 25. Now you have to have a 26 because they super score. If I ran a college, I would super score. And I, I know you're like, well, wait a minute. You're, you're talking about how super scores really not what everyone hypes it up to be. Right. But there is a perceived value from students if a college super scores. It's interesting as I'm giving my workshop and I travel around and I, I start talking about this concept of, of super scoring, students will say, oh yeah, I'm interested in going there. They super score. I've even had students say to me, I want to go to that college because I have, an, I have a higher ACT if I go there. Now we know that's not true. Your ACT is your ACT. One is calculating it using a super score. One's calculating it just on a composite, which is your highest. A composite is strictly your highest ACT score from a single given test. Whereas the super score is the highest of all the sections from any of the tests. 
So the perceived value may be there, but really, again, the scholarship committees have to raise the thresholds if they super score. All right, so now we've covered the terminology, composite, highest, ACT score on a single test. And the way that's calculated, you add up your English, math, reading, and science scores. You divide those by four, and that gives you your composite score. And ACT does round. So if it's 31.5, it's rounded to 32. And then super score is the high of any one of the tests that you've taken, any of your highest math, uh, English, reading, science, and they uh, then add those up, divide by four to calculate your super score. Okay, so next we want to talk about what this rule is of taking only one section. In the 2020-2021 school year, ACT will start publishing two scores for each student. They will publish a composite ACT score and a super score. ACT will allow a student to take one section of the test only if he or she chooses. They are calling this a retest of a section. It's interesting to note that a student must have taken an entire ACT before you can do a single section retest on a later date. ACT will allow you to pick up to three sections to take. If you choose to take writing, that will count as one of the three. Now, there's been questions about how is this going to work and are you going to show up at the beginning? And if you're a math thinker, you go to the math room. I don't know. And ACT still figuring a lot of this out. You can tell from their uh, frequently asked questions page on their website about this. They don't have everything figured out yet, but uh, that information will be rolling out as they get it all established. And we will, uh, we'll be able to see that and I'll be able to keep you informed on how that's going to work on later episodes. The price has not been set. That's been asked a lot. How much is this going to cost? Is it going to be cheaper to take one section? On their page, they say they do not know the cost yet. The next question is, will it count towards your 12? This is a great question. Well, I had a podcast listener in Hackett, Arkansas, who is a teacher with Epic Charter Schools, Taylor Stemick, and she brought this to my attention, and I, I had not seen this. Uh, ACT may be lifting the 12 times maximum next school year. Buried in that frequently asked questions uh, section on the retest, the way they have it written, it does appear they are now going to make the 12 limit, 12 times ACT taking limit go away. And you're going to be able to take the ACT as many times you want, just like you used to be able to. So I thought that was interesting. Um, there, the, the frequently asked questions page on the um, uh, this take one section area, they call it retest. There are some errors in that. They, they, they haven't exactly cleaned that up. They've used the word composite a couple times incorrectly. But again, they're trying to figure out what they're going to do on some of these questions. So I, I'm sure they'll get good answers for us out there eventually. Right now, you can tell it's definitely in the work. So anyway, thanks, uh, Taylor, for that, bringing that to my attention and excited I, I was able to share that with you. Now, the third part of this 
podcast episode is I want to talk about why you should never do it. And I want to start with a scenario. Let's say you have a 25 in math, 25 in reading, 25 in science, and a 21 in English. A person would say, because I only have a 21 in English, I'm only going to take the English section and I'll raise that score. Let's say you raise it to a 25. Well, my question then is, okay, how did that help you? So you raised English from 21 to 25. How did that help you? Well, someone would say it raises my composite ACT score one point. Four subscore points is one composite point. So it raised my composite a point. Well, no, it didn't raise your composite because you can retest in one section, but that does not affect a composite score. Because remember, a composite has to be a single ACT test, all four sections taken the same day. So then a person says, well, great. It raises my super score. Okay, then that, that implies that the school to which you're going to attend is going to use a super score. And most don't. Now, here are some arguments that I get for why you should do this. First, I will get, hey, I just want to focus on one section. Well, my response, great. Focus on that one section. But hey, take the other three. You might raise your score in those as well. A more specific question or argument for this would be, I want to focus on my weakest section. Now, this is the argument that gets the most traction. People really buy into this. And it is typically the first thing that a person would say about why this is such a great advantage to the student. Man, I'm really bad in math. I mean, I struggle in math. And so I'm just going to focus all my effort on that weakest area. And going back to the numbers I used earlier, maybe it was 25 in English, 21 in math, 25 in reading, 25 in science. You go, hey, math is my weakest area. I'm going to really crank down and just study for math. Well, there's a lot I could say about this. A few things would be great. Focus on that weakness area of math, that weakest area of math, but still take the other three sections because you might raise your score in those as well. So if you did raise math from 21 to 25 and you raised English from 25 to 26 and reading 25 to 26 and science 25 to 26, now you didn't just raise your composite one point or your super score one point. You raised your composite and super score two points because you took the other three sections. When I first started working with high school students on the ACT test, I probably, and I say when I first started, I'm, I'm talking about my first probably 10 years of this. When I would work with a student individually, I took this approach. I studied or worked with the student on the weakest section. I remember I would always ask, what are your scores? And immediately my focus would hone in on the weakest section. Well, here's what really struck me. I would spend an enormous amount of time, again, let's say on math, and we would get small gains. Then, after I had done this for a long time, I started changing my approach and I would cover the weakest sections, but I started focusing on the stronger sections. And guess what happened? I got better results. 
students actually increased their scores more when I focused on their strong sections. To explain this, I'm going to use that old cliche. I love to use this cliche. You got to have eggs to make an omelet. For some people, I can discuss math with you all day long. I can work a million problems with you all day long, and we're not going to get very far. And I have found that if I spend 80% of my time on your weakest subject, that a lot of times I'm just spinning my wheels because it's that eggs and omelets. You got to have eggs to make an omelet. Listen, some just struggle with math. That's all there is to it. It doesn't matter how long I talk to you. I'm going to spend 80% of my time and I'm only going to make a very small gain because math's just really hard for you. But if you're good in English and you have a 25 in English, if I'll spend time in English, I find I can get huge gains because you're better at it. You receive what I'm saying better, you understand it better, you apply it better, and typically you're more willing to practice what I teach in your better section. I don't want you to get too focused on your weakness areas. When you look at that weakest area and you focus all your energy on it, you will neglect huge opportunities in your strong areas. I would like you to consider working on both, not just your weakest. Another argument I get is, hey, listen, uh, math is my weakest subject. I want to be fresh when I take that math test. Okay, um, I, I guess I would say if that's the case, take a nap. I mean, you got like a 45-minute English test before the math test. So take your 45-minute nap, then take math, and then give your best effort on reading and science. I mean, if that's what we need to do. I always just go back to the argument of look. You may be a little tired during that 45-minute English test or because of that 45-minute English test, you're tired during your math section. But listen, man, when, when you're in college and you're working at Sonic as a car hop, which my daughter did and loved it, but you're going to be pretty fatigued, man. You're going to be tired. I mean, my gosh, let's just crank down a little bit more right now in high school because a few hours now is a lot of reward later. No few hours now. It's a lot of car hopping later or whatever you end up doing. And my gosh, I, you're going to be so busy in college. I'd just rather you do it now. And man, just take all four sections. I, that would be the safest thing and give you the most opportunities to raise your score. I guess the last part would be, well, okay, should you ever do it? Well, there are a few scenarios that possibly it would apply. If you were about to start college and you took the July National ACT test, if you are about to start college and you get to the July National ACT, so everything is set for you, you have all of your uh, scholarships are set, your scholarship deadlines have passed, and let's say that you had a 17 in math and you are going to have to enroll in a zero-level class, meaning a class that would not count towards your major, but you would have to pass that class before you would be eligible to take a class that would count towards your major. So you're at a 17. You needed to have a 19 in that subscore to avoid that zero level class. I would take the math retest. I guess another option would be if you had a 36 in three sections and something lower than that in the other section. I mean, a 36 in 
English, 36 in math, 36 in reading, 21 in science. Not that that's realistic, but possibly. Yep, I would only take science if I'm uh, uh, going to go to a school that's super scoring and the scholarships all super score. Um, possibly. Uh, I, you maybe could do that. Well, I, I guess the only other uh, scenario I could come up with is there was a national ACT test. You really wanted to take it, but maybe, you know, it was a weekend of a basketball tournament and then you had to play the 11 a.m. game on Saturday. And so potentially you could do the single retest on that so you could make your game. Look, I, I'm stretching here. I'm trying hard. I, I There's not a lot of reasons to do it. And so I, I'm trying to come up with reasons why possibly you would want to do that, but I, I can't come up with great ones. I would definitely take all four sections of the ACT. It's the safest way to go. And, and if you do that, it doesn't matter if they use composite, super score. You are giving yourself every opportunity to score as high as you possibly can. And yes, it's a little more time on a Saturday morning, but come on, man, when you look at the dollars per hour, meaning the scholarships that you can win for the hours that you spend, it is incredible. I, I'll talk about this more in later episodes, but the job of scholarships is the greatest dollar per hour job you will probably ever have the opportunity to work. And this is part of it. Taking the ACT is part of that job. It means money. I know you want to have that great, happy Saturday morning and you want that free time. Man, you know, oh, I don't want to get up and, then, you know, I don't have school there. I don't want to get up. I don't want to have to go to that test and drive there and take that. I want to look, man, if you don't do that, you're going to have to go work a job in college for how much an hour? And it's going to be a lot of hours. And a lot of you, I'm just going to be honest, you know this true. A lot of you will not work the job. You'll take the student loans. And then you're going to be paying on those for years. And then we're going to start affecting your life with that. And the financial problems are not going to be good for your marriage and your home. And so I, there's a lot at stake here. And I really hope you're going to take the ACT as many times you can. And I hope you will take all four sections. Well, there you go. So there's uh, there's my reasons on why you should never do it. I'm sure some of you will have some other reasons on why maybe you should do it. And that's great. And I'd love to hear those. So feel free to post any questions. I will have this posted on the Chad Cargill Workshops Facebook page. Just go to that page and you can uh, post any question you want there. I will respond to it. You can also email me. I'm Chad at chadcargill.com. I would be uh, happy to answer any questions you have there. I'm going to have show notes available for you. You'll find that in your podcast app. You will also find that on podcast.chadcargill.com. This is episode two. If you go to chadcargill.com, you will also find my workshop schedule. I've got a bunch of classes coming. Uh, I'm going to be in uh, multiple states over the next few weeks. I'm going to be in Arkansas, Texas, Nebraska, Iowa. I've got all kinds of uh, states coming up. And if you'll go to chadcargo.com, specifically calendar.chadcargo.com, you will see all of those workshops. 
If you do not see a workshop close to you that you can attend, I can be scheduled to come to you. All you would have to do is call our office. My assistant is Penny, and you can call our office at 405-454-3233, and Penny can tell you when I'm available and how we can make that happen. And I would love to come to your school or to your area for a workshop. Now I'd like to give you a free resource to help you with your scholarship applications. If you go to scholarships.chadcargill.com, scholarships with an S.chadcargill.com, a little window will appear that says, tell me where to send in. If you put your email in that, I will send you a PDF document of a section I do in the workshop on scholarship applications. It's what scholarship committees look for and how to get yours at the top of their list. So you're winning and you're getting hired for those internships. So it's a great segment. It's based on my work I've done as uh, running scholarship committees and corporate recruiting. And I would love to get that to you. And that'll get you on our mailing list. And each time we produce one of these, I'll make sure that it gets emailed to you so you will be the first to know the new podcast is available. I hope you will subscribe to the podcast on whatever device you're using. And please, if you would, leave a review. If you would uh, hit that five-star button on there and leave a review, that would really help us out. It does mean a lot in the podcast uh, listings. And it, it would be uh, very beneficial uh, to this podcast if you would do that. And so if you will leave a review on there, I would love it if you would say where you're from and what you're involved in. So if you're a parent, give a shout out to your son's band or your son's basketball team. And uh, I would love to read that. If you're a student, do the same. Tell us about your, your volleyball team or or whatever. And I would love to read that and give a shout out to you. That would be awesome. And Hey, if, if you enjoyed the workshop, please share it with somebody, tell them about the, the, uh, I say the workshop, the podcast, I, I give the workshop so much. I can't help but say that. So if you enjoyed the podcast, uh, this episode, especially just uh, share it with somebody if you would and tell them about it. So maybe they can join in next time. Well, that'll do it, man. I, Again, I, I appreciate you listening to the podcast. Uh, it's been a busy, uh, busy time here at uh, at the ranch. We I'm putting in a giant orchard, so we just we just got 20 acres here, and I have a bunch of kids. I, I mentioned last week I have eight kids, so a lot of mouths to feed. So we're we're putting in 65 fruit trees over the next few weeks, and I just got our first shipment today. So uh, we'll be planting tomorrow and uh, putting in. Oh my gosh, we got like 250 berry bushes. It's just going to be crazy around here, but uh, we're going to be putting in a lot of stuff. So exciting times here. I'm sure uh, things are happening on your end as well, but uh, it's getting ready to get warmer. And so it's always a great time. And I hope that uh, we're finding some time to prepare for this test. All right, well, that will do it. Hey, thank you again for listening to this episode. I can't wait to be with you next week. I've already got uh, some good things planned. I'm going to, the first two episodes, we did a little more general about um, just test taking uh, topics. I think next week we're going to hone in a little bit on a specific strategy for one of the sections. And I've got a variety of, of episodes coming where we'll talk scholarships and I've got some interviews that are coming. I've got 
many episodes specked out. So there'll be a whole variety of things. I hope you'll join us each week for this podcast. You guys have a great week. Thank you for joining.